I like my service to be kind of this like zip code domination. If you're working in four zip codes and only in these four zip codes, because your money is made in, in, in the quantity that you're doing in a day. So if you're, you're having to travel all the way to one lake to do one account, the numbers just, they're, they're tough. Don't add up. Yeah. yeah. You almost got to take on 10 jobs in that new region and somehow try and get them all in the same season. Exactly. Welcome to the SMB Op Show, an exploration into the mental models and decision processes of operators. I am Joshua Schultz, and with me today is Colin Popbecker from WeDocs. Colin's running a really unique business with multiple revenue streams and some really incredible moats. I really enjoyed learning about this business operation and the investments that Colin is making and how he's scaling while keeping an extremely personal touch with his customers. All right, Colin, man. Colin Popbecker with me today, who runs WeDocs, which is an acronym for something else, which I'll let him get into. But not many of you know Colin, which is why I kind of want to have him on here. That and he actually runs a really cool business. So Colin, what's the name of your business? What do you do? And how'd you get into it? So legal business names, Waters Edge, Land and Marine, or WeDocs. We dominantly do docks and boat lifts. Marine, some marine construction, but our bread and butter is, is docks. I grew up on the lake, studied architecture, worked for a construction management company. And I actually, whatever, like every college graduate graduated with a bunch of debt and had to come up with a way to do it. So I started off as a subcontractor for another dock company because I had some equipment from a previous landscape business and it just kept growing. And so we were, we're never tied to this one company we were subcontracted for. And basically, this snowball effect. It overtook my full-time job and, you know, one, one fall basically decided to become a, a dealer for a brand. So we're actually a retailer, not just a contractor. We actually sell products and we, we basically, that, the writing was on the wall there. So I left my full-time job and, and Weedox was, has been it for the past four years. And, and, and what exactly is Weedox? What would you call it? And what is it that you do? What's your... What's your... So we were a retailer, so we're a dealer for four brands, and we service everything we sell. And so that's that's basically my, my point to anyone who comes buys a product from us, reaches out to us. So like I said, we're a dealer for four brands. So we have you know a couple avenues of exposure on the internet. They can find us through a company that we sell for or directly through us. So you know someone will come to us mostly residential, some commercial, you know, they're looking for a new, a new boat lift, a new dock. We, we dominantly do work on inland waterways. So, you know, you, you have someone with a lake house that, that needs something for their boat, for a kayak, just to look at. And so we, we pair them up with a, a dock or a boat lift or whatever they're looking for. And about 90% of people we sell to become full-time clients. So you have the seasonal effects as we're in New England, based out of Connecticut. So you have the winters, freeze, thaws, you take your dock in or take it out and put it back in every year. So we retain a, a lot of business that way. So you got a little bit of, of upfront revenue selling on the product and then you're like, hey, and I'll come take this out every single year for you as long as you have it. Exactly. And so that that's also what's cool about our sales pitches because you know, Josh, you might have a dock and you say, well, I, I got to be able to take it out, me and my buddies on the weekend or whatever. And I, and I come in, I said, well, actually, we can sell you anything you want because we, we can service it for you. And right away, like I said, 90%, if not more, are like, they're all ears, you know? So now we just basically took the ceiling off of the picture of what you can do by hand. And my team can, with equipment that, you know, we have, you know, can service this. So what's cool is you get that reoccurring, your reoccurring client base, and you know you generally don't lose our percents there. We can go on that later. Very high, but you just you get these clients, and whether well, even to the point now, I'm in business long enough where I, a house sells, and I retain the house. It might be a new client, but I keep the property because we service the docs. We're the doc guy. So when I started off with this, I just it was just just gap this big hole. You know, I grew up taking the doc in and out with my my father and. You know, we did it ourselves and a lot of people struggle with it. So we're this really niche niche avenue of, you know, we help people. It's the worst thing to start at your lake house and end at your lake house is taking a dock in and out. 
Yeah, that's a. That's, I mean, the more you're explaining it, the more I'm thinking about the lock-in that you have, the basically the loyalty numbers that you must have. Because, like you said, you took the ceiling off, you give them something that they never had before, and now that house sells. Well, that next person has never seen something this big that could be taken out, and so they almost kind of need you to be the one to come continue doing it. Yeah, and where we draw the moat even more is we go as far as we store docks for people at our shop. So you, you might have a parcel of waterfront and, and part of the, the really intriguing and, and the only difficult, the, the biggest difficult thing of my business is every waterfront's different and it has limitations and that can dictate the size of the dock and scale of the dock. So once again, taking the ceiling off, if I have a place to put this dock on land that the client doesn't, another avenue of business that we've kind of developed really in the last two years is actually storing the docks for people in the off season. Spring comes, dock goes back in the water. So l- let me break this revenue down that I'm that I'm learning. So you've got an upfront sales of the dock. You've got a one time in the spring and a one time in the fall, probably put in takeout. And then for some, you've also got storage, which is I'm guessing monthly per how much space it takes up on your land. Is that uh, what other revenues? Do you have any other avenues of? Yeah, so other revenues is is just service, right? Weekend comes, you know, somebody gets a little rammy with their bow or dot, something breaks. Sundays, Mondays, Saturdays, or the phone rings, you know, hey, this broke, and then and then you kind of break down the call. Is it immediate? Does it need immediate attention, or you know, is this something that can wait till Monday, or is this something that just needs to be fixed before the following weekend? And what's cool about seasonally servicing or touching somebody's waterfront is to say. You know, there's this wearing point on the dock. Hey, this doesn't need to be addressed immediately. We can do this for the following year, or this is something you got to take care of before you know the lake gets busy. And so, the the critical thing in my business now is as you grow, is just documenting all these things and saying, you know, Josh is really going to need a new ramp for next year. So come fall, I said, Josh, hey, like we talked about in the spring. We're going to need to do some work over the winter here, get this ready to go for the spring. And so you kind of, by visiting someone's property at least twice a year, you know, you keep tabs on it. You know, the easy thing would be do is to just do nothing, right? You don't chase anything, but the downside of it is you're losing out on that business. So it's really an easy sales opportunity without an inquiries. You just give a notice that something might need to be done and then it's business for you in the future. Yeah, that Harvard entrepreneur right there, right? How else can I <laughs> how else can I provide value and then in return get some money for providing that value rather than just So th- that brings up a good point. How how big is your team? Because I'm assuming at some at some level you get big enough where you're not on every job and then how do you maintain that consistency and like hey, look for what else you can do while you're on the property because it's your business not theirs. Exactly. So today we have Myself and three more full-time guys and one part-time guy who's full-time. He's still in school. So he's full-time with us, you know, in the summer and the busy seasons. We <laughs> we continue to hit our, our ceiling of, of what we can do as manpower. And really how I've avoided adding people is adding equipment, which we can dive into later. But it's basic things, basic checklists, you know, anchors, hinge points of connections are the two critical components to keeping the dock in place. So my team's got to look out for, you know, is the chains rusty? Is it getting thin? And then, you know, making notes about we went and put the Gordon's dock in and, you know, the anchors are all right right now, but they will need to be serviced. So then opportunity to, when you put it in the invoice, you know, a couple notes breakdown. So it's almost like an inspection with the service. And so you really got to take that opportunity just to document it to the client so they're notified about it. But then also, you know, keep track of it on your own records that this will need to be done. And obviously, the, the best is a, a non-pressing issue is just something that you can kind of table for a little bit, make a conglomerate. Because what's cool about my business is we only work underwater. And so there's only so many bodies of water in the area. We service about a dozen, a dozen bodies of water regularly. You know, here and there, you get a pond or a new lake. But you can really load up your service work and then go out and, and knock out a dozen jobs that otherwise would just take, you know, a quarter of a day. So instead of four in a day, now you can do 12. Are you attacking this from the water or from land? In other words, are you pulling these out of the water or are you pushing them out of the water? 
So great question. So originally when I started this business, everything was done by land. You used excavator I had and you know, skid steer, forklift, or just simple as a winch with some boards. Labor intensive. A lot of it was done physical strength. We do everything by water now. So I have a two barges. One of them has basically a forklift system on it. And that does the, the, the main heavy lifting of our of our work. But by going by water, you cut down on travel time. You don't need to find a place to park on a lake. A lot of lakefront properties don't have pro- parking, can't get a trailer in. So doing everything by water, if you can get the boat on the lake, you can get access to the client's house. And so that, from a sales perspective, when I get a lead, someone's like, do you need to come check out the property? And you don't want to say no, like you don't want to have interest and so forth, but you really need to sell the fact that, hey, if there's a way for us to get the boat on the lake, we can come service your property. And obviously, as you get years of experience, you're like, Tyler Lake, we know what this lake is all about. You have basic parameters of what this lake needs for docks, lifts, so forth. And you, you can really confidently sell a product without even having to go out on site. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm putting that together with your other statement about how you service a couple lakes and then you can do them all. So it truly is boat in the water one time and you can just knock them all off up and down the shore, the shoreline rather than it just being close driving. It's literally one, one ramp launch of your, now I'm saying your boat and I'm assuming that's what it is, but what is it that you're putting in the water that can lift some of these large docks out? So it's an then eight by 30 foot long aluminum boat with a steel fork assembly. It's made by a company out in Minnesota who actually started as a dock company. And all they do now is build these boats. I had the first one in New England and a little bit of a scary acquisition because you're literally learning and you're watching these guys on YouTube, Instagram, so <laughs> forth. And you're like, yeah, man, like I'm going to sign myself up and spend $150,000 and go buy this thing. Ne- never saw it, never went out. You know, the company's like, we want to come out and see it. I'm like, I really don't have the time to do this. But the confidence is talking to other companies, but also just watching them do it. And then factoring in, like you said, the logistics of what time does it take to go chain up a machine, drive to the next property, unload it, and so forth. You launch this boat and you're in and out of a properties with basically no downtime. So having this piece of equipment has ripped the ceiling right off of it. What used to take, you know, four guys, 30 minutes, one guy on a boat on a good day, on a calm day can do something in five minutes. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. <laughs> and, and, and of course, you know, the price is the price. I mean, it, what, it, what you have to factor in is that it, you have this piece of equipment, some, nobody else has it. And, it would take eight guys otherwise. So you need to, you need to account for that. Yeah. I was going to say, so you, you increase the price per time, but it's a lot less time. So you end up with more margin per same unit of time. If you're running your jobs, right? Right. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So just mech, just mechanize what, what used to be done with two hands, you know, with hydraulics. So do you track stuff like that? I mean, do you track, you know, and again, I'm looking at your different revenue sources, margin per time, margin per installer, total sales for the boat, you know, revenue per square foot for your storage. I mean, I'm just kind of listing out these activities and resources you have. Are you tracking any of this? Absolutely. So of course, like every business you start off, you don't track it, right? You just shoot from the hip. Uh, <laughs> I think this is going to take me a half day, you know, so we got to charge three quarters of a day, right? A little buffer, whatever. And then it gets all over the place, right? You grow and, and you just, you want to bid jobs quick. You're like, it's just, I, I think that one's 500 bucks. And so I say that we track it now confidently, but it comes from a point where we didn't. And it was like, well, you know, Sally's next to Joe, but how come there's a $200 spread between their accounts? It's like, well, because when we started, that's what we did. And I really tried to, you know, have consistent pricing and not, you know, a, I'm sorry, but it's actually twice as much. Uh, we, we messed up. So it's that, that confidence from a business owner standpoint, like you know what you're doing, right? You don't want to suddenly drastically change prices. But now it's down to a stanchion dock, which is a dock on legs. You know, your base price is for two pieces and every additional section after that, let's say is $50 or $100. And you have those set metrics in there for your pricing. And so new client comes, hey, you have six pieces, you know, 
base base price with a multiplier, you know what it is. Sales for a doc, so we're, we're a dealer for four of them. Obviously, they have standard retail pricing, and we make, obviously, a percent of that. That's really easy pricing to start off. We also in-house manufacture wood docks, custom. Always did it. I did it growing up with my parents' properties, so forth. My first two years of business, straight away from it, because it was a lot of labor, a lot of time. And it was like, how do you, how do you, how do you price it? How do you make money? We're making, you know, Josh wants a dock. I order it off the catalog. We go, we put it in in a day. It's very clean money. So I, I really strayed away from it more because I didn't know how to price it. Now we're, I know my square footage costs when lumber goes up, you know, 10%, that 10% is factored into all my metrics. I can adjust my square footage price in, in, in two minutes because I have that broken down. So, so, so for quoting, it sounds like you have templates or spreadsheets or something where it's kind of, you plug in all the factors. Is it dumbed down enough? Where somebody like me could do it, meaning no experience, like, hey, look at the doc, idiot, count these and plug them into these cells, or is it close to that? Absolutely. The the where the only dumbed down part where I couldn't hire you tomorrow and say go ahead is my job comes a lot to designing the doc. So a client comes to me and they say, Hey, I have a surfboat, I'm on uh Lake Warmog and this. So Lake Warmog, you got to go into the chart and say, okay, well, on this lake, you can only have 360 square feet. So that's our, our our base ceiling point. But how do we now fit two boats, a swim ladder, and then account for what the water depth is? So I have now broken down to a new client comes in. I ask a series of questions. And those questions will help me decipher a couple of designs for it. And then from there, we can provide pricing. So I give a schematic layout of the drawing of what I think the doc should be. And then from there, the client can say A, B, or C, which helps. So you don't know much about me, but I will tell you, I am a documentation nerd because when I figure something out, I don't want to refigure it out again. I have a really bad memory. I want to be able to give it to 32 other people without having to teach 32 people. So you just mentioned a couple of things in there and you said them very nonchalantly, but I picked up on these lakes have certain requirements and regulations. And part of your part of your value add is that you know them all ahead of time and can factor them all in right away. Two, you've got an onboarding process. Is it an official checklist written down that you can give others? And three, how do you start to come up with like ways to help other people? Maybe not me, maybe somebody who does understand docs has some experience and be like, hey, here's the six or eight doc designs and then we modify to fit regulations, needs type of boat and all that. And that's all related to this idea of documenting checklists, stuff like that. Yeah, so loaded question. So exactly. So each lake, basically each lake, we know what we can do on them. And then so what's nice about when you continue to do business is that every single client that I've ever quoted is in my sheet. So I say, well, you know, Josh's waterfront is similar to to Paul's. And so I pull up what we sold Paul maybe even two years ago. I won't even change the name on it. I'll just say, hey, Josh, similar job we did down the ways. This is a couple of different designs that we did. I've already done the work. And so I can fire it over and you can say, well, I really like the U design on this because I can park three boats easily and my wife can drive into it easy. Boom. I didn't just quote three other jobs or do drawings individually for you. So I reuse, it's, it's templated things, but I just share photos of what we've done layout to what we've done. And then from there, I can send over the, the price sheets. Are those tagged? Okay, so I'm day one now, I'm working for you. And you're and, and somebody requests a U, a U doc, I'm going to call it, I don't know what the proper term is, but you referenced a, a U shape. And is it so that you could say, hey, check out other U shapes on that and, and see what we did. And then I could find Paul? Is that possible? Ooh, so it's not it is not at the moment so it would be me having to tell you what what prior jobs would be the things and that that's something we do for the boat lifts though so every year i go in we get updated pricing a six thousand boat pound boat lift you know we have our basically our, our base minimum option and then our loaded out option so we kind of give the client two options within there and so those every year or at during COVID, we saw a number of price increases, but typically it's just annual price increases. I, but I can say pre-templated 
base model, luxury model. And so that's just, you, you know, Josh calls for a boat lift. We size it up with his boat. All you have to ask for the boat, what's the brand and what's the model? So then you can go on the internet, find the weight, find the length, size it up with a, the right pound boat lift. I'm, I'm going to nerd out with you for a second. I know I'm interviewing you, but I just love this op stuff so much. I'm just seeing like tagging everything that you have, you know, wood, aluminum, whatever other materials, 10 foot and under, 10 to 20 foot, 20 to 30 foot, U, straight line, parallel line, all the different things you could tag it with. Maybe you come up with 30 criteria, have, have somebody overseas just go through, tag it all. And then basically every time you get a quote, your onboarding sheet narrows it down. You can then just send it over to that same overseas person. They can pull all the, all the previous quotes, auto fire it off to your new person and say, Hey, which of these do you like? By the time it comes to you, it's pretty much done. And you're just signing off on it. It'd be a way to shortcut design process and free up more of your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I think the, the biggest thing is, was when you start out is, is, you know, you give the catalog, you know, with every single option, that's just not even appropriate to, to the context. Right. So like you, you just, I see it all the time too, is I, my, Previous we did a lot of like landscape, hardscape stuff. And, you know, you get a catalog for pavers and it's endless color options, so forth. We've narrowed down to what we manufacture in houses. I use two types of decking. And if the client comes to me and says, well, I want to use a composite, I just bounce the ball back and say, if you can come to me with an area of composite, we could price it accordingly. But we, here's why we stray away from using these materials. And so we just narrowed it down, just like you said, to two options. Because a buffet is it's overwhelming and, and typically people struggle to make a decision. If, if you really give them a narrow, hey, there's, there's three options here, or these are the three options we're proposing. Yeah, every once in a while you get someone with option Z, but they, they, 95% A, B, or C works. Also, I would think a lot, if these people are boat owners, they're probably upper middle income or higher. And that's a, I'm making a very gen, a big generalization there, but I'm just thinking even about myself. We're looking at landscape stuff. I know I know the catalog for plants that do well where I live. It's huge. I have no idea how to put it together into a nice looking yard. Similarly with you, there's all kinds of I'm sure elbows and extensions and tops and shapes that you could do. But part of what I want from you is just give me a good looking dock that you think would be good. And so a large part and people pay up for that, right? Like even like I'm going to I'm going to have somebody narrow my options, but I'm going to I'm going to pay them more to do my landscaping. Same thing with you. They'll pay you more because you've got like you said, it's not even appropriate. I've, I've gone through your lake. I've gone through your neighborhood. I know what everybody else in this lake has. I know that this is going to blend in, look good, last a long time. It's going to, you know. I don't listen. I have to take this out later. I don't want to take out a piece of crap. So I'm putting in a solid dock that I, I know is going to be solid when I put it in and take it out every single year. And I think that is a huge margin expansion thing for people that are willing to, to do that, to basically say, Hey, I know the catalog. Most of it is not appropriate for you. Here's the things that I think are really well. Let's work with a couple of parameters, change them, modify it, make it your own, but it's still going to be a core thing that I believe in. Absolutely. And, and that, that confidence is it takes time but when you run with it and you trust your gut of what you know what works and what doesn't work it 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 just it alleviates so many questions that the client has or but it's 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 that over the time you know every once in a while yeah you have a refinement uh this past year we changed the type of screw we use and so you know that's something the client doesn't need to know is what decking screw we use now, but before we didn't, but I know in my documents, well, you know, that was gen era 2019 and we used different screws back then. So if we have to go out and do a repair to someone's rub rail, Hey guys, we got to, we have some of these in stock. Don't bring the new screws with you because they won't match, but it really helps business just to simplify. Yeah. Man, it's really fascinating. It's really interesting business. I like the way you approach it to a good level of standardization, but also focus on customer. So I, I don't I don't like getting into sales and margin stuff, but I do like to get into some metrics and numbers. And so you said you've got you got four guys, right? One of them still in school. Is that what you said? Yeah. And so how do you like? Do you look at any like, like I guess capacity in any way? Do you look at well? Here's how many docs we can handle before we got to bring the next person on. How do you kind of look at what's flowing through your business? The activity? Do you have a dashboard? Is it in Google Sheets? Like you know, wh what are you tracking and how are you tracking it? Yeah, so down, pretty much everything I track is through Excel. And so I have everything broken down to basically a region. 
uh, and a very good question of like capacity, right? So I know, you know, Bantam Lake, I know can, we can do in two weeks, all the seasonal ends. And then obviously the tipping point, you know, with a larger lake, when you have, when we're talking about weeks, it's not bad. But if you're talking about day to day, you know, you add one more client, right? And, and you're like, you're, you're pumped to add a, a new person to a region, but that might put you over an eight hour day. So now we're into 10, you know, 10 hours, but you have to track, you know, from a calendar standpoint is know how long something's going to take you for planning for new things. And then factor in, you know, obviously a little bit of buffer time, but I, I have everything broken down into region, number of docs. And then now with, with new stuff is I'm going as far as tracking individual sections and square footage. So when I do add somebody new, I already know roughly how long this should take. And then obviously year to year, we track this, you implement new piece of equipment, you know, buying that barge for me threw everything off, right? Because suddenly all, all, all your numbers change. All your numbers instantly change. So the biggest thing for me to do is to track our, our seasonal work. You know, a new install, if we can get it in the spring, we're going to do it with seasonals. But otherwise, you know, we need to factor in day rate, which, which actually simplifies things. If I can do it in a day, we know it's a full day. If it's four hours, it's a full day. And you just, you need to run like that, you know, just to simplify things from a planning standpoint. There's a, a similar concept I've heard from some from plumbers, actually, Rich Jordan, who I, who I uh, interviewed on here. And he gets into basically like a job rate. And so the job, no matter what it is, has a certain fee. And if they do it faster, like you say, if you do it in four, it's still the same fee, but that's basically a margin increaser. And so you set a good job rate and then his guys, I believe, get incentivized based off of finishing it faster. So they're actually incentivized to cut that down and improve margins and they get kind of a piece of that extra that's there. So yeah, that that idea of a fixed cost is, is common, I think. It, it's common and it helps. And, and the idea of incentivizing, you know, we're at that stage now where I'm not on every job. You know, you start out of business, you're on every single job and so forth, and you know, things get done. You know, we'll go to the spring is it incentivize is, you know, docs per done per week. You know, you meet your quota, you know, your guys need to be rewarded accordingly because it, it really in a seasonal business, because my business is heavily seasonal, you know, your spring and your fall are your bread and butter, you know, the meat and potatoes on on the bone here. And the more you get done, the earlier you get done. So ice out. Mother nature is a huge factor in my business in terms of planning, um, really which is tough. But yeah. It, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say really variable. I grew up in upstate New York and Syracuse. So I dealt with 33 years of horrible winters right off of uh, Lake Ontario. So it could be snowing October 1st, or it could be not even nothing on the ground in December. And you could have been boating in mid-November. I've, I've had both of those years. <laughs> yeah. And so that the second I can get on the water, we, we do it. Whether there's still shop work going on, whether we're still building new stuff, if you can buy yourself a bit of a buffer, you know, because wind, wind, we work in the rain, but wind is something that can really throw a curveball at things. You can work on certain properties on a certain shorelines during the wind, but a calm day with no ice is a moneymaker. You can always go back to the shop and, and fabricate more and so forth. But if you can get guys on the water working, it's just, it's time that you, you, you don't get back in the spring. So that that's probably the biggest hurdle the unpredictable in terms of you know talk about metrics and so forth tracking where you are sometimes it's you know you're, you feel like you're behind the eight ball but you look at how many days you've gotten on the water and if you don't track how many days you've been on the water as opposed to out in the shop you know you just don't know you, you will feel behind yeah um, so when you say in the shop I, I realize you're doing services but if you if somebody's buying a dock, are you getting it in pieces and you're assembling it for them and then putting it in? So you have almost like an assembly shop? Okay. So there always is. So some number of brands, basically, all the dock brands that we sell, you know, you're going to assemble pretty much on site. You might do some in-house fabrication assembly beforehand, but most stuff is assembled on site. We build all of our boat lifts at our shop. And that was uh, something I changed once I had this piece of equipment, because again, now you're not worrying about how you're getting it down to the, on the land and so forth. So we build everything on our shop instead of building one boat lift a day. Now you can line out six out on the floor here and assemble all of them at once, do all the same stages all at once. So you, you cut things drastically down there. 
but a lot of our shop work is our in-house fabrication of our own docks. So we're buying hardware, you know, we're cutting wood, framing, decking, putting all the accessories on. And what I have found is the money to, to be made, you know, the daunting task of, of fabricating your own things. What's alleviated by that is you can get everything done in the shop. You can put everything on. Our wood docks that we build in-house have the shortest install time out of everything we sell because they are so simple. But that's by design. Yep. So, man, like how much property do you have? Like how much land between the storage and the shop and everything? Yeah. All right. So we started off in probably a 20 by 40 pole barn that I rented from a client. I didn't send him a bill and a job. And I said, just let me rent, let me rent your shop for, let me rent this piece of commercial real estate you have for a year. Because you start off any business, right? You have a couple of factors, like how are you going to cash flow this? You know, I was leaving a well-paying job, but you know, once you figure that part out, I have inventory on the ground my first year. It gets delivered to my house at the time when I had a, a, a barn. I took a day off from work when the semi-truck driver called me and I told my boss, hey, I got, something, <laughs> I got a delivery coming to my house tomorrow. You know, you kind of leave it really light. It wasn't lying about anything. But we've moved forward now. Fast forward, we're in year four here. Year three, I purchased a nine acre. It's just shy of nine acres, eight and three quarters of acre uh, commercial real estate. It has a house on site, has a, has a barn on site, you know, full, full shop heat, plumbing, so forth. So another ceiling taken off the business was acquiring this piece of real estate. You know, a 20 by 40 shop with three quarters of an acre. At the time when I left there, we were just brimming at its capacity. Fast forward a year, uh, we needed minimum two acres, you know, so we would have never been able to accomplish that if I didn't take this risk of, of acquiring this piece of real estate. So my ceiling for the time being, and, and I think for a very long time, is, is off on, on space. That's pretty cool. And so for storage of raw materials, do you have like a kind of a makeshift shed or tent or awning thing out back? Or how do you do that? Does that fit in the facility? Oh, yeah. So we're living that now, right? So we, we go from our, our 20 by 40 space to a 30 by 60, two stories. The second story right now is brimming full of parts and so forth. I had a conversation today with my foreman about Everything needs to leave this building that's not docked related or that's not being built currently related. So we'll transition to some outdoor connex boxes to store things just really to keep, you know, overhead down. Two-year forecasts, we'll be building another building on this premises. But the short-term thing is, yeah, connex boxes and so forth. Thankfully, a lot of the raw goods, a lot of aluminum, bowl lifts, stuff comes. We shrink wrap everything. Most of it's stored outside of the manufacturer's doesn't need to be brought inside until it's you know ready to be assembled or if you have a good stretch of weather you can do a lot of work outside i try to keep the shop floor open for production and not storage which is a change of tempo in the past year for me it used to be just storage space tools and equipment and everybody who knows i, I bought this piece of property is like oh you, you know you fit all your trucks inside and no we, we we fabricate inside we produce yeah and know what makes the money Yep, that's to say that's what brings the revenue in. So that's okay. So that's really interesting. I'm just like going through trying to like visualize your operation. You mentioned kind of how you quote. You mentioned kind of about your sales process. One of the things you mentioned earlier that I, I'm kind of thinking through is this triaging the calls. So now, now you've got the customer. You've sold them the dock. Take it in and out. You've got a place to store it. Now we're on this fourth piece, the service piece, and they call and they say, "I got a, I got a problem." First of all, before we get to the triage, are they calling like are you are you out like at the grocery store on a Saturday and it's hitting your cell phone or is this hitting a work phone that's buzzing you or do you have some other call operator like where is this call going? Yeah, great question. And a uh, problem we're living currently, right? You're small, you can yield every call, it goes to your cell phone, no problem. We still operate in that fashion. One of the things I'm implementing is is a call service to to document all these things. You, you look at the, the cost of what it would pay someone full time to answer the phone or, or take down messages and listen to voicemails versus what you can, tr you know, what you can outsource to just a simple call service. I mean, I don't know why I was so reserved from hiring someone to answer my phone because of the cost, but you, the call service is more and more businesses I call, you know, you run out of 
propane at your house, you, you call it. It's, it's not them picking up on a Saturday. It's a call service. There's someone there on the phone to answer the phone, which I think is important. So now that'll be outsourced. So that'll at least shield these calls because I'll tell you what, they happen at all times of the night and days. And it's just, it's, I mean, I'm going to make some jokes here, but just knowing boat life, how many of these calls are people drinking, having fun on their boat and just smashing their dock as they're coming back in at night? Oh, 90%. 90%. I cringe every holiday weekend. You know, anyone in my immediate family or relationships, they know when my phone rings late at night or a text message goes off, you know, like, who broke what, you know, or, or what have you, you know, what's the triage. And, and Monday mornings are the same thing during the summer. And, you know, it's what happened over the weekend. I always have somebody working on Saturdays, Sundays. I don't have anyone on staff, per se. But if I'm out of town, there's somebody in the area that is ready to go. We have, you know, three service trucks that are fully outfitted with parts and you know, the basic things that people break that, that are critical, ready to go at all times. My foreman drives one 365 days a year for that reason. Just a way to yield things. And I tell you what, that service, being responsive and being able to fix something right away, I mean, it gets you business. That $3 pin can sell you a $30,000 dock very quickly. Yeah. No, it's, I think that's funny. <laughs> just so and you, you mentioned sometimes they call you and, and it's, it's slowly growing from that, but these people calling, I mean, you probably know most of them by now, right? Cause again, boaters have a very tight community. They're usually all know each other pretty well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're in. I, I probably have a more access keys combinations. <laughs> To, to the things I just don't even need. There's a lot of trust. But, you know, like you said, you, you're dealing with a, a, a much more affluent population. And, you know, they don't want to do some simple things on their own. And they, they want somebody to be able to take care of it. So, you know, my crew has a lot of trust on a lot of very high-end properties. And it's, you know, we know where the boat keys are. We, we know where the house keys are. If we really needed them, we never do. But like you said, I mean, these people, they, they build trust with you very fast and you, you just don't go away. They, they're they're kind of like friends forever, whether you want them to be your friends or not. <laughs> and it, it's cool. It's a, it's a tight community. And I, I, I really don't care how big you are. You know, we work, we do a lot of work for these big boat dealerships that have been around for 20, 30, 40 years. And they're the same way as their clients. They know them all by the last name. You say... Phillips, you know where the Phillips house are, or, or it's just which one, you know, and it's, it's cool. But what naturally breeds the good service is that you got to go to their property twice a year. So it's not like, oh man, this one was four years ago. We got to go dig up the file of what the address is or, or, or where this is. My guys are there twice a year. And I try to always pair the technician with the technician for service with the technician of original installation because they know it. They know what weird quirks something might have or why something may be different. And that really helps, you know, simplify, you know, the questions. That's, that's really neat. And, and you mentioned something that you have these trucks that are out and about. So looking at your assets, you've got this land, this property, you've got a boat, you've got three trucks loaded with, with parts, service, any other major pieces of equipment that you are kind of using to run this thing? Yeah, we have uh, two excavators, two skidsters, forklifts. I have probably, you know, 10 trailers that haul all this stuff around. And, and how, how often are you using that stuff now With now that you got the boat? Ah, great question. I, I, I feel like not at all. And then I go check an hour meter for service logs on a machine. And we put, you know, you have more bodies. We put more more hours on equipment than we ever have. Our, our small skidsters probably average 400 hours a year of, of, of use. A lot of it's in the, in, the, in the yard now. Every once in a while, we'll bring out a piece of equipment, new dock installation. And kind of our, our, our bread and butter is, is making sure that the dock fits the shoreline. And so when you get a new client, you know, you want to go for this large dock, but there's no there's no abutment or there's no, there's no way to attach it to shore. So we will go in and, and do, we pour a lot of concrete, a lot of concrete pads to attach these docks to. So it'll be a small area to excavate. And then you go and, you know, install the concrete and then, and then the dock can come when the dock is ready. So that's, 
it's a little bit of a stem off. That's that's what's atypical about our businesses. You never know what the shoreline connection is going to be like. Simplifying it always makes things better. So I try to upsell new new abutments for a wood floating dock to every client. That way, the hookup is the same, and we can trust it to the shore. Yeah, every time. Yeah. So. What, what tools or technology are you using to run all this? I mean, you got labor, you got planning, you got materials, you got, you got, you got like four different kinds of businesses all in this. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the accounting and the tools to run labor and installs is very different than production. And you've got both of those plus a service component. I mean, what are you using to track all of this? You, you use Excel. You mentioned that earlier. Yeah, we, we use, we use Excel when we, when we go buy from, from these brands or are, are two higher are two more established brands that we buy from the corporations. You you log in, you can order all the parts. You know you go through the portal on your phone, so one of my guys can log in and actually order parts off of this. If it's something we don't have, all my billing and so forth is just through QuickBooks. You know, so it's down and dirty, as simple as it's right on your iPhone. You could be billing. I bill when I'm out in the field with my guys or putting stuff in. I'm driving a boat. Or one of my guys is driving a boat, and you know they're getting the bill from my iPhone. Uh, <laughs> yep, it, it just keeps it. It keeps it simple. Google Docs is good for sharing photos and keeping track of stuff, and a place for guys to upload things. I think photo documentation is probably the biggest thing. You know that we really have to implicate, keep just hounding in of what the doc looks like year to year. I try to take a photo every time a doc's in. It's good publicity. I post things on social media like, hey, you know, look at these 10 docs in today. People know you're in the area, but also I know what that doc looked like in the spring. And so if anything changes till the fall, there's a photo record of it. And so what do you do? That's just on your phone right now and you kind of go search by date and scroll through your, your iPhone? Yeah, it's it's like that. And everyone, you know, every year it goes up onto the computer here and, and we can break it down into, you know, I break everything down back to back to lakes, back to the geography where it is. And then, you know, clients from that. Interesting. And that's, that's pretty much it. Very simple business. Just email, cell phone, email, Excel, cell phone, QuickBooks. Yeah, QuickBooks. Bluebeam is probably our, our, our best tool for scaling things, you know, on, I extrapolate a lot of, you know, my, so to, my way of avoiding out to going and look at a lot of jobs is Google Earth. You go on, you can overview of what someone's current doc setup is. I can measure it. I can take a, a photo screenshot on my, on my computer, bring it in a blue, blue beam, blue beam and scale accordingly to it. Blue beams, like, it's almost like a, a, a cross hybrid between Adobe and like AutoCAD. So you can draw, annotate drawings, scale everything accordingly to it and put it on there. I'll tell you what, our, our doc drawings are as simple as PowerPoint shapes that we have pre-saved in there. And you can scale, you know, denote the dimensions on it, overview, general layout. And then from there, I have drawings of what a typical four by 12 section will look like, what my guys need to fabricate in the shop. Do you have uh, what, like bill, bill of materials and all that stuff? So if you're going to fabricate this, here's the eight things you need to pull. Here's how many, here's how they go together. Or is that just kind of tribal knowledge at this point? No, it's, it's down to like, how many screws do you need per square footage? Right? Like, I mean, decking screws and, and that's, and that's, as you grow, it's, it's, that's the, the biggest object you're, you're tracking is like, what do we have on the floor and how many docks can we build? And then obviously what items are longer lead times than others? flotations for instance it's a nice simple calculation of we know how many floats are needed for every 13 and a third square footage of dock so if we're building 360 square feet we can extrapolate how many floats are on there and then allocate it off of that accordingly you got to know what your long lead items are for us dock floats take longer to get you know Dock floats are the the large, usually plastic that are underneath the dock, right? When you don't have like something that hits the ground, it's just floating. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So they're encapsulated foam. You know, right now we have about a four month lead time on on floats. So we we're already ordered for the spring, and then I have to gauge, obviously, from my investment standpoint, is what materials are we stocking? Uh, bolt lifts and dock floats take longer to get. So you're pre buying this inventory before it's sold. But you have to take off historical data. I track leads 
that come in, the type of leads, the type of dock, the location of the dock. And so try to forecast, you know, year to year where we're looking to project of what we're going to do for, you know, the, the, the go season spring. So what's next, man? I mean, you, you got full service on these docks from sale to, to holding to service. You got what you said, seven lakes locally and a couple other small bodies of water and stuff. How do you keep expanding? Is it, is it people? Is it geography? Is it both? I mean, what is the next kind of ceiling for you and how do you break it? Yeah, right now, you, the growth, it, it, you know, the growth is in referrals. We do, we do do some, do a bit of marketing, but not really. I mean, our, our best sale is, is through referrals and so forth. In my area, there's two other main dot companies that, that do this. And what drew me to this business is there was such a gaping hole for, for people who actually perform this work. Of the two, there's, there's one that I would ever want to make an acquisition on just in terms of establishment, real estate, and so forth. But naturally, there's such a, a limit there's so many ceilings on these other businesses, how much they can produce that we're, we're still growing with this. I mean, so for me, with my current crew, I would be adding another boat before I would be adding six more guys because we, we know, you know, that six figure investment realistically can pay for itself in a single year as opposed to, you know, three more salaries. And uh, is that for the same ge- geographic region? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? How big are these lakes? Bantam Lake is like our, our home lake. You know, it's about 10 miles around, like one mile, seven miles around. You know, you have about 240 people, I'd say, you know, with docks on, on each of these. 200, I'd say there's about 200 on, on Bantam and, and 100 on there. Candlewood Lake, we're, you know, we're in the thousands of, of people. And what we're continuing to see here is that this was an avenue of business that used to be a lot of DIY, right? You know, the family would get together and take this in and out and that transitions. If there's an opportunity, we're still, we're still chopping away at the opportunity of people who were doing this themselves or hired their landscaper to take this in and out and not a full-time dock company. So right now we're just still eating up this, this void uh, of, of people who actually specifically service industry. And so our geographic area, we'll go as far as New Jersey. We'll do some in New York and so forth. The nice, nicer sale down there is something that you don't have to service. I like my service to be kind of this like zip code domination. If you're working in four zip codes and only in these four zip codes, because your money is made in, in, in the quantity that you're doing in a day. So if you're, you're having to travel all the way to one lake to do one account, the numbers just, they're, they're tough. Don't add up. Yeah. yeah. You almost got to take on 10 jobs in that new region and somehow try and get them all in the same season. Exactly. And so when you start off, I mean, I can remember my first time venturing off of my home lake and I'm like, all right, well, this will pay off. It's a long-term investment. You know, we're breaking <laughs> even on this one, but you know, in a year or two, this, this will, this will spiral. And one of our lakes, we, we doubled the number of clients this year that we added on this one lake, just, just out of referrals. And, and so we're still, we're we're a new young business. We're still eating up, you know, this this void. But the referral, the referral, and the seasonal, you know, the seasonal reoccurring work brings you back to these bodies of water. And so, like you said, you might make that investment of we're going to need ten more, but it'll only take a short time to get there. Yeah, especially if you have a quality business. That was in my old business. That was our strategy. We we dealt with manufacturers and. We knew once they did business with us, we would get a lot of their business. And so we would basically say, hey, we're not looking for your business right now. Just give us one part that you got too long of a lead time or keep getting bad quality. Let us work with that one part. You keep the rest. And they would deal with us on that one. And then within a year, we'd have you know almost all their parts just because they liked all the, the stuff that we did for them, just like you do for your customers. So I'm assuming, like you said, you break even on that one. And you, know, you just got to wait for the referrals to buzz the lake because... And, and I, that's another, I keep saying it, but for those that don't know, the boat community is extremely tight. I mean, eating dinner all together constantly, they do trips together. And I, this is boat community uh, all over the US that I've been part of. And so I would think referrals spread like wildfire if you do a great job. Yeah. And what's, what's, uh, I didn't know this going into it, but the boating sector is the percent of money spent on recreation. It's one of the largest 
percent. Oh, really? I didn't know uh, that. Of, I, I wish I had the, the data on me exactly, but I think the boating the boating community makes up like ten percent of all recreation alone. And and so what you find is people, it's a lot of don't need but want to have. And what we also see is you know you get a new boat and and so now we got to make modifications to the dock. So you might have sold the dock two years ago, but Two years later, when the, the lifespan of the dock is 20, we're already going back and adding something. So I'm, I'm very reluctant to ever oversell something to get every accessory milked out of them or so forth. Or the boat lift has to have a canopy because you just give it time. The clients are in your portfolio and, you know, you talk with them twice a year about the dock coming in and out. And it's like... Hey, what do you think about this year? But we're doing do the canopy. You know, did it work out or not? Or we got, or you just put the fully loaded one in next door, and then you're like, oh, did you see Jim's doc? Exactly, <laughs> did you see Jim's doc, and it's like you, you got to have it now. And so when you take on a business originally, is you know, I, I'd had a client just as a seasonal client, right? And my guys, you know, we go out and we service this dock that's you know a little bit janky. It's not, it's it's harder to make money on because it, it's not well built and it's not the easing and out, but it's like. It's that investment of a year or two until we say, is it time to replace this, you know, and go to something newer, something that's safer. And what we're seeing, too, is these boats get bigger and bigger every every year. And so the boat <laughs> lift that was bought four years ago for a 5,000-pound boat, it now needs to be 8,000-pound boat. So once again, we're replacing something that has not even come close to meeting its life expectancy, but it's because of just this growing trend of you know, of more. Man, that's a really cool business. I, I like the diversity in revenue that you have. I like the loyalty you have. I like the business economics you have. Everything about it's really cool. I really, really appreciate you jumping on today, breaking it down for us and help us understand kind of what you do, how you do it and, and why it's so fun for you. No problem. Anytime. Anytime.